Welcome to episode 249 of the Truth Quest podcast, the truth about the role of Christians in this evil world. Over the weekend, my mother-in-law sent me a text strongly suggesting that I check out a sermon she had just watched. She has recommended this particular pastor to me in the past because she knew I would like his no-nonsense approach to preaching. He's a truth teller regardless of the consequences. To say the message was powerful is a massive understatement. It was eye-opening and changed my perspective on a few things. Clearly, if you're a regular listener of the TruthQuest podcast, I spend a lot of time trying to open the eyes of my listeners, usually in the area of politics and public policy. Not only do I try to tell you the truth rather than the watered-down or gaslighted version you may get on the alphabet soup conspiracy media, but I try to offer solutions. I don't want to be one of these people who just point out problems and lies, but one who looks for ways to address them in a positive manner. After listening to this sermon, I'm beginning to second-guess my need to offer solutions because it may be a lost cause. For the next few minutes, I'm going to recap and summarize the sermon given by Pastor Lauren Livingston at Central Church in Charlotte, North Carolina on June 4, 2023. He points briefly to all the nonsense going on around us, in particular with woke corporations. He mentions Target, Bud Light, the NFL, and even NASCAR. He poses the question, what are you going to do? Not shop at Target? Not have a Budweiser? Stop watching NFL and NASCAR? He questions the sincerity and long-term effectiveness of these types of boycotts, given the fact that people eventually revert back to old habits, products, and vices. Then he hits us between the eyes with the fact that all of that crap is a distraction. He pleads with the audience to recognize devilish and evil things in the world as distractions from our Christian mission. Livingston argues that Christians in particular, and I will expand that audience to other God-fearing people, tend to have incorrect expectations when it comes to this world in which we find ourselves living in temporarily. This world, he reminds us, is condemned. It's evil. Always has been. Always will be. He even makes the point that the Bible never says the world is going to get better. Therefore, for Christians to get bent out of shape over the natural way of the world, which is in constant deterioration and always bent towards evil, just does not make sense. They should expect it. He adamantly proclaims that this is not our world. This world belongs to the evil one. He controls this world, and they get to do what they want. That claim really hit me in the gut. This is not our world? Am I the only one who is taken aback by that statement? I know the Bible dictates that we are to be good stewards of the planet. I also know from Genesis that the earth's resources are given to man to use. But this is not our world? He goes on to explain that the reason this is not our world is because it's not our ultimate destination. Christians are simply on a short pilgrimage. We are just passing through to our ultimate destination, which is heaven, to be united with God and Jesus. Livingston builds his case by pointing out that Jesus is clear in Scripture, that there is a delineation between being in this world compared to being of this world. While we are in it, we are not of it. He then hit me between the eyes again when he explained that Christians are not here to change the world. Oh, come on, what the heck are you talking about? Not here to change the world? I was so confused. He explains that the church is in this world to warn it, to teach in it, and to preach in it, to speak the truth regardless of societal consequences. He points out that God did not send Noah to change the world, 
He sent Noah to warn the world while he built his boat. It made me think about all the prophets in the Old Testament. They came to warn the people, usually to no avail. Fast forward to the New Testament and John the Baptist. He wasn't placed there to change the world either. Much like his cousin, he pissed off the ruling elites in society at the time. He was there to pave the way, to warn of the coming Messiah. He eventually paid the ultimate price for speaking truth to power. When Jesus arrived on the scene, he modeled the behavior for the rest of us. Warn, teach, preach, regardless of the consequences. But change was not one of his goals. Livingston further builds his case using John chapter 17. In this verse, Jesus is praying to God for the protection of his disciples. Here are verses 9 through 19. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those who have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so that the scripture would be fulfilled." I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my pleasure within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. So Livingston points out, Jesus is not praying for the world here. He says it specifically, I am not praying for the world. Presumably because he knows who the world is run by. His role was not to change it. He was here to spread a particular message to the world, to warn, to teach, and to preach. This is one of those times when you really come to love the Bible. No matter how many times you may read a passage or a chapter, there's always something new to discover. You may have read John chapter 17 10 times and never noticed Jesus' words about not praying for the world. Livingston explains that the world is growing increasingly intolerant of the church because the church is a hindrance. It's an irritant to the work of the devil or to those who do evil things. The church's very existence exposes their sin and wrongdoing and makes them feel judged condemned and guilty, because all humans have a conscience. Whether they listen to it or not is a different story. I will be the first to admit that the standards of Jesus are too high for most humans to achieve, whether we are talking about narcissistic and self-serving politicians, criminals, or your run-of-the-mill atheists, because their pursuit of money, power, pleasure is more important than following a moral code from some long-haired hippie from 2,000 years ago. For Christians, we know that Jesus' standards are too high for most of us to live by. Just read the Sermon on the Mount and tell me that we aren't sinners. I mean, come on. Anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment similar to murder? Anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart? Oh man, seriously? Do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you 
and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Can you live with that standard? Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you? Seriously, Jesus? Who's really able to do that? When you step back and look at the world, it really is a dark, disgusting, and evil place. Think about it. Everything from war, oppression, slavery, rape, murder, assault, suppression, sex trafficking, child abuse, elder abuse, animal abuse, spousal abuse, kidnapping, discrimination, killing babies in the womb, killing babies outside the womb via partial birth abortion and calling it choice. The sexualization, mutilation, and perverting of our children, either through forcing the transgender agenda on them or with CRT, telling white kids that they have white privilege and are bad because of the color of their skin, and telling black kids that they're being held down by those dastardly white kids. I could go on for an hour on the evils of the world in which we live. The question is, as bad as all that sounds, is our world really any different than other eras in history? Think about some of the most disgusting things described in the Old Testament and tell me that the world is worse now than it was before. Livingston offers us the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. What did the townspeople say they wanted to do to the angels who Lot hid in his house? They wanted to rape them. Men wanted to rape other men. This is as disgusting as anything you'll see or hear now from evil people in today's society. To further the analogy of Lot and the angels to today, these evildoers are coming for the people in your home. They are coming for your children in the schools. They're not content just to shove this agenda down the throats of the adult population. They're coming for your kids. As a matter of fact, while I was preparing this episode, the Wall Street Journal published an article about the pedophilia-enabling perpetrated on Instagram. You know Instagram, owned by Facebook's parent company Meta. Yep. If you set up an Instagram account and start searching for children, guess what? Instagram starts connecting you with real child trafficking accounts, and you can essentially go shopping and or be connected to videos of children performing lewd sexual acts. In this article, it's called an ecosystem devoted to sexualized children content. All you have to do is enter the right hashtags and off you go. It kind of helps make sense of what's going on with unaccompanied minors coming across our open southern border. They are no longer held by U.S. authorities until a DNA test is performed on whatever person is claiming them, as was done prior to Biden assuming office. Biden removed the DNA test as part of the unaccompanied minors protocols at the border. You want to talk about evil? You want to talk about stuff of the devil? Beyond this scandal, I hope you know that if you have young children using Instagram unsupervised, they are being stalked on that platform by evil people. If one of your children has an Instagram account, you should ride along with them and see who reaches out to them. If your kid needs Instagram in order to stay in touch with other children for extracurricular activities or some other viable reason other than to be stalked by perverts, put the app on your phone and change the password. Let your child use the app in your presence while it's on your phone so you can poke around at your leisure. Do you want to know where this sick and twisted and evil world is going next? Maps. The newfound protection of minor attracted persons. Mark my words. It will be here before you know it. Some deep blue municipalities in America have already passed city ordinances to prohibit discrimination based on sexual, how shall I put it, 
sexual perversion. In other words, if you run a childcare facility, you can't discriminate against employing a registered sex offender. Speaking of that, how long until they do away with that registry altogether? After all, they will argue, why are we tarnishing people's reputation simply because they like boys or girls, or they have been convicted of rape or sexual assault? Who cares about protecting the innocent? Demonstrating how the evil nature of this world manifests itself, consider how the gay marriage debate has evolved. Society already made accommodations for gay couples to have legal unions via civil unions. This is long before this became a controversial topic. They granted gay couples the same legal rights as married couples, but the left was not content with that. They required that society not only accept and affirm the unbiblical and anti-nature behavior, but celebrate and encourage it, so much so that they successfully added an adjective to the word marriage. I am sorry, but no interest group has the power or the right to change the definition of a word, whether that be marriage or vaccine or justice. Words mean what they mean. Back to my point about the evolution of the gay marriage debate. Fast forward a decade or so, and here we are essentially having the same discussions about the LGBT community. Transgendered people at first just wanted to be accepted and treated fairly, to which Christians are all in favor. Love thy neighbor. All people are made in the image of God. But just like with gay marriage, acceptance and accommodation were not enough. We must be forced to affirm, celebrate, encourage, and condone the behavior. And if we don't, there are consequences, often violent in nature. Consider the recent mass shootings perpetrated by self-prescribed transgender individuals. What is the world's response to Christians and other God-fearing people who call out the world for its evil ways, who warn, preach, and teach? It's not pretty. Evil people do not like to be forced to look in the mirror. They do not like being told the truth. It's like kryptonite to Superman. To be avoided at all costs. The evil whose world we live in are intolerant of us pesky and opinionated Christians. We are just a bunch of phobes, homophobes, xenophobes, tranphobes. We're bigots, we're racist. And the latest pejorative emanating from the United States Department of Justice is we're Christian nationalists. Ooh, sounds scary, doesn't it? A bunch of peaceful Christians who value the country in which they live. The next series of Marvel movies should feature one of those Christian nationalists. For crying out loud, the FBI recently started infiltrating Catholic dioceses. I guess they're in search of those dastardly Christian nationalists. Think back to the COVID days. Were you surprised at how quickly the government dictated that churches close their doors? I mean, it was a dream come true for the evil one and for the evil ones running our government at all levels, national, state, and local. You can tell the good guys from the bad guys very easily after that travesty. See, the church is an irritant to those who are perpetrating evil. It gets in their way. It's a hindrance to their way of life, to their pursuit of power and control. We rightly refuse to affirm them. Their response is invariably character assassination and name-calling and labeling. They often resort to violence because they are unable to justify their lifestyles, their pursuits of evil and sinful interests. They are not about to compromise. It is us, the Christians, who must compromise our beliefs, principles, and conscience and violate God's law. 
After listening to Livingston's sermon, I think I understand their perspective a little bit better. We are to compromise our beliefs and principles because this is their world. We're just passing through. Livingston wraps up his message explaining that never once in Scripture are Christians permitted to hate anyone. Remember, pray for my enemy. We are called to go into the world and speak the truth with love. He then pivots back to where he started, which was the alternative sexual gender lifestyles that our society currently presents as normal, to be celebrated and affirmed and encouraged. Livingston notes that when you love someone, you tell them the truth. If Christians and other God-fearing people are not willing to speak the truth, no one will. He uses the example of a homosexual person and tearfully explains that if you are homosexual, I will kiss you on the neck. I love you because you are made in the image of God. And because I love you, I refuse to lie to you and affirm your lifestyle because I know that if you continue to live that way and violate God's law, you cannot go to heaven. How does that message sit with you? Did it change your perspective? Circling back to what I said at the beginning about always looking for solutions, I don't think I'll discontinue this practice. I'm hardwired to do that, and I think it's important to do that. I think what did change for me is the knowledge that it is likely futile in the end because the cards and the world are stacked against me and you. I also do not believe that we were put here to make our pilgrimage and be passive observers of this evil world. That seems clear even from Livingston's comments. Warn, preach, teach. Jesus certainly wasn't passive. He verbally called out the ruling elites of his time, as did his cousin. Both of them paid for with their lives. Jesus also, as you may recall, overturned the tables in the temple. He was pissed off, and he literally took matters into his own hands. So obviously, he did not come to this world to simply leave it as it was. The only part of the message that I'm still wrestling with is the idea that we cannot change the world. But didn't Jesus change the world forever? Seems like that's the message that has been ingrained in our brains since the first day of wandering into a Christian church. Of course, the answer is yes, but there is a distinction to be made here. I think it was, it was what Livingston said at the beginning. This is not our world. Christ certainly changed the rules. He changed awareness, but he did not change the nature of the world. I think that is what will not change. The nature is a sinful one. That will never change until Christ rises again. Until then, this world still belongs to the evil one. And those of us who call ourselves followers of Christ need to stay focused on the Christian mission despite all the distractions that this evil world presents. We must continue to warn. We must continue to preach and teach the truth regardless of the societal consequences. And that's the truth about the role of Christians in this evil world. Please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform and share episodes with your friends.